Thanks for hitting that button. You are listening to The Mark the Shark Show. All right, guys, you ready to rock? Are you excited? Well, sit back and enjoy. And welcome to The Mark the Shark Show. guys i just want to make a quick announcement you can now get my book called marcus the vampire available in audiobook format you can find it on audible acx.com and on itunes again the name of the book is called marcus the vampire the dark world chronicles it's also available on amazon.com check it out today if you can Hi everyone, this is your host, Mark the Shark. I want everybody to know that not only do I have this podcast, I have another podcast about the sport of mixed martial arts. So if you're into that kind of thing, check out my other podcast called The Mark the Shark MMA Show. And if you want to be on that show or this show, make sure you contact me on Facebook at Mark the Shark MMA Show. And, and that's my Facebook channel. Or you can go to my website, www.mark with a C. The Shark MMA Show.com. Again, it's www.markthesharkmmashow.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Mark underscore Retorto 2. That's Mark, M A R C underscore Retorto, R I T O R T O 2. That's for Instagram or Mark BJJ Fighter on Twitter. And also, don't forget to check out my YouTube channels. I got the Rockin' with Mark YouTube channel. That's Rockin' with Mark with a C again. Or the Mark the Shark MMA show, all on YouTube. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy the podcast and keep on listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mark the Shark show. I hope everyone's having a great day. We have a great episode in store for you. So sit back and enjoy the show. guys we're back and today i got this very special guest on my show max carlisle from one of my favorite youtube channels or max how you doing today i'm great man thanks a lot for having me on it's a pleasure to be yeah. here yeah i always like having uh, fellow youtubers on there especially the ones that i regularly watch yours is one i regularly watch in fact i, I probably you're probably one of the reasons why i bought this amp right here Excellent. Those are great amps. Those are great. Yeah, them. man. Yeah. You always, it's, you know, I leave it here in my basement and pass mm-hmm. it. I'm like, mm-hmm. start practicing, you know, you have yeah. no excuse. You don't have to log out a big amp. It's always there. And, you know, it's pretty good. I like, you know, it's got the metronome in there, drum beats. That, that's exactly what I was looking for that. And like a Bluetooth. So if I wanted yeah. to it on my phone and stuff, it works great, man. Yeah, you could throw it in a backpack, and they, they actually sound really good, too. I mean, the tone yeah. of the amp is actually really nice. It's just, you know, some yeah. of the little amps, they get the job done, but they just don't sound that good. But th- those ones really do, though, I like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I noticed is that you also got the uh, same guitar I got. But I don't know, like, you videotaped it, I think, I don't know, a couple of days after I got it, that George Lynch oh. guitar, Sunburst oh, guitar. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. This one, right? Yeah. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I got the other, the other, uh, the tiger, the other lynch tiger one, probably like about a month ago. Okay. Great guitars, actually. Yeah. I like them. Very well built, you know. Oh yeah. They're um, yeah. The LTD stuff is really, it's really pretty solid, you know. I mean, I mean, obviously, I've, I've been a fan of the ESP guitars and LTD stuff for a long time, but they're um for. For guitars that go into that sort of three hundred to five hundred dollar range, they're really, I think, they're some of the better ones out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I got like five or six of them actually. Yeah. LTD guitars in the back there. Well, anyway, so I wanted to get a little feel as to how you know how you got into music. Give us a little background on yourself. You know, this way, the people who follow your channel when they see this will be like, "Oh, this is probably why I like Max so much." <laughs> <laughs> Sure. So how did, how did you get into uh, music? Like at what age? Oh, really early. Um, you know, my dad played guitar and he played, uh, you know, kind of folk music kind of stuff, um, you know, cowboy chords on the guitar, that kind of thing. Um, so I was always around it growing up. I was around people playing instruments and that kind of thing. And um, the, you know, actually the first instrument I played was violin. And really? I played it in, yeah, in, you know, in school, the usual, you know, little kid playing violin kind of thing. And um, I played it for quite a while, but I didn't really enjoy it all that much. Mm. It's, it's, it's very difficult to get a pleasant tone out of a violin. Like it takes years of practice just to get a nice tone. And I didn't have that patience, you know, when I was a kid. And so um, never was really that happy with it. And to be perfectly honest and not to insult violin players, but it's just not a super, it's not nearly as cool as the guitar is, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I played violin and then I played bass, like upright bass. Okay. And, and then about the same time I switched to guitar. And uh, it was like, um, I was about 15 when I started playing guitar. But like I said, I had played other instruments uh, before then. Okay. Did you find that the training you had before kind of helped you get like a head start with guitar or no? Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, it definitely did in terms of the uh, sense of melody and that kind of stuff, you know, being able to, to hear something in my head or hear something, just listening to something and then be able to translate to the instrument. That definitely gave me a leg up when I started playing guitar for sure. Okay. And then I read like later on, you actually actually played in some bands, right? And made some albums and so forth. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of that. You know, I played in typical, uh, you know, kind of high school rock bands, you know, in my hometown and that kind of thing. Um, but about um, 2007, I moved down to Los Angeles. I, I grew up in Seattle. In about 2007, okay. I moved down to Los Angeles. And at that point, you know, I'd been playing guitar for quite a while, but I kind of felt like, okay, I'm, I'm in LA. Some of the best musicians in the world are in LA. And if I am going to continue playing guitar, I need to either, I need to take it more seriously. So I should either, I should either give up or really, you know, dive into it and, and really take it seriously. And, and so I did that, you know, and so I started practicing more and, um working on you know recording material and uh 
you know, joining different bands and that kind of stuff. And it's always been thrash or like uh, old school metal, you know, that's pretty much, you know, power metal. That's always the kind of stuff that I've been uh, playing in terms of being in bands and that kind of stuff. I was in one like industrial metal band for a couple of years, okay. um, which wasn't really like my favorite style, but it was still, you know, playing live in a loud band is always fun to come no matter what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> now, who, who did you find to be like, you know, more inspiring for you as like what fellow guitarist inspired you the most? Mm -hmm. Was it like one person or a few? Yeah, it was a few, you know, I can't say there's any one particular guitar player that I've always wanted to sort of chase the sound or anything like that. But a lot of the classic shrapnel era 80s guys, you know, uh, Tony McAlpine, Paul Gilbert, guys like that, Jason Becker, Greg Howe. Um, those guys have, to me, always been the, the peak of melody, you know, really strong melodies, but also just amazing technique and, uh, you, know, you know, pyrotechnic guitar, that kind of stuff. There are some great kind of more modern players that I really respect in terms of their technical ability, but I feel like um, a lot of the melody has kind of gone away in some of the more, more modern stuff. And uh, if the song doesn't get stuck in your head, I think that's a bad sign. And a lot of the new stuff, just, it doesn't seem to stick with you as much. Yeah, it's actually kind of hard to find rock bands nowadays, isn't it? Like a lot of the, like, there's not too many of them. I'm trying to think. Uh, you got that one band. I can't think of the name right now, but they sound more like people try to compare them to Led Zeppelin. They're like a bunch of brothers. Oh, uh, Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think yeah. of those guys? They're they're good. You know, I I like them. I, I obviously. You can't really say they're the most original band, but that's yeah. uh, that's okay. You know, I feel like there's, you know, going through the different um, eras of rock music, you know, there's always going to be bands that are just sort of emulating another style. I mean, there was uh, Kingdom Come, you know, and yeah. like, the, you know, and, and they're kind of the same thing, you know, they're like, oh, well, they sound like Led Zeppelin. But if you're going to copy a band, what a great band to copy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. One of the best ever. Yeah. yeah. So then at what point did you decide to start your YouTube channel? Well, it's a funny thing because I started my YouTube channel just a little while after I got to LA. So this is like 2008, 2009. And that's oh, when, wow. yeah. And that's when YouTube was really kind of in its infancy. And I did some, some videos very similar to what I'm doing now, like demoing a guitar or mm -hmm. something like that. But at that time there was a really, uh, negative stigma around being a guitarist on the internet, right? It's like, oh, that he's not a real guitar player. He doesn't go on tour. He's just playing in his bedroom on the internet, right? And so even though I was doing, uh, you know, I did uh, like a handful of videos, I deliberately steered away from it because I didn't want to be associated with that. And in retrospect, what a terrible decision, right? Uh, but so I did it way back then and then for a long time i still had my youtube channel but i would just put random things on there or i do like a little update video about like hey guys i'm gonna be playing with this band check this out that kind of stuff but it really wasn't until about 2015 okay. that i kind of came back to it and i was like okay wait a second this was maybe 
a missed opportunity. I need to take this more seriously. And th at that point, I came back to it and I started really trying to figure out like, okay, what, what is it that people want to see? You know, what can I provide that people want to see that will be valuable to people on YouTube? And that's when I really, that's when the channel really started, even though it had been around for a long time before then. Yeah, because I've been watching you probably like for, I think, two or three years now. And I would seeing your like subscription, like jump. Right. You know, yeah. um, do you like for people starting out with the YouTube channels, do you have like any advice to offer them as to how to grow their channel? Sure. Um, there's a there's a few things I can uh, I can suggest. I mean, one thing is more like something to avoid rather than something you should do. And it's a mistake that I made for a long time. And that is basically to assume that what you think is interesting, everybody else will also think is interesting. And so what happens with that is that it's easy to come up with a video, which is maybe some really obscure piece of information. And it's like, well, hey, you know, if I, if I have a guitar with a Floyd Rose on it, and if I put shims under some of the saddles on the Floyd Rose, then I can adjust the radius of the bridge. And so I can match the radius of the, the neck on the guitar. And this will make getting the action like just, oh, perfect, you know. To me, that's really interesting. And to 12 other people, that'll be really interesting. But to the average viewer, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, not that many people are going to be into it. And so basically finding things that are going to appeal that, that are interesting, but also have kind of mass appeal. Mm. That's really what you want to aim for. And I think when you're kind of in your own head too much and th just thinking about what you think is interesting, it's easy to sort of miss that. And I did that for a long time, you know? Um, yeah. And the other thing too is anything that can help you distinguish yourself from other people is is good uh because there's you know at this point there's a lot of people doing youtube and yeah. a lot of people doing guitar yeah. reviews and pedal reviews yep. and even if it's like really well produced and this kind of stuff if there's nothing that's really different or unique about what you're doing you just get lost in in the sea of people doing it mm. yeah and so that can be you know i can't say exactly what that would be for somebody you know but um it can be you know just something about the way they present the information or something about their personality that comes across um that kind of stuff and and that is something that can just develop over time you know like you're not going to figure it out on your first video it's going to take you a while and then you yeah, you, yeah. Know, you you read the comments and you see which videos do better than others and over time you figure out like okay this is kind of what people connect with and and you you learn from there it's definitely a learning process that's another thing too is i think people they get they want to start a youtube channel and they put a ton of work into that first video thinking that they're, they're just gonna take off from that first one and it never happens and uh it's you, you have to accept that people starting out have to accept that it's going to be a learning process and the first videos you, you do a year later you're going to hate those videos but if yeah. you hadn't if you hadn't done them you know you wouldn't have been able to learn from them and that kind of stuff yeah i remember you made a video where you were actually 
reviewed a video you did when you were first starting out. Yeah. And actually, I think I think that was an LTD guitar in that one, too, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you were critiquing yourself. So right. when you were developing your YouTube channel, did you, like, look at other YouTube channels and, and then pick the area that you're in now, which is gear review, focusing on reviewing guitars and gear? Well, kind of. I mean, I, I did look at other YouTube channels, and I still do that now. Um, but what I look for is more like what they're not doing. So yeah. I look, yeah, because I try to look for, you know, in marketing terms, right? You look for a underserved market or something like that, or, or an opportunity that's not being met or, or you know, something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. so if I, if I see a bunch of YouTube videos and they're all kind of talking about the same thing and there's maybe something that's maybe related to it but nobody's really talking about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about that because there's an opportunity there basically. So yeah, I, I mean, when I was starting out, um, I, at the time, there were not very many people who were talking about the sort of knockoff guitars and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the people that were talking about them were only saying negative things about them. And so I thought if I, if I, looked at that and tried to do it in a little bit of a more balanced way mm. um then you know those were some of the first videos i did that really got a big response from people and things have changed you know now a lot of people talk about that stuff and so i don't talk about it as much right yeah yeah but um but yeah that's that's kind of what i think about when i'm when i'm watching other videos that are related and that kind of stuff because you know, if you, if you watch other videos and you just do the same thing that you saw on that video, then it's, you run into that same problem where it's just like, well, I have to, you know, there's got to be something different about what I do. Otherwise, it's like, well, I already saw this video on, you know, Philip McKnight's channel. You know, why would I watch yours on the same topic? That kind of stuff. Man, that's interesting. And is that why you chose to pick doing a channel focusing on affordable guitars and affordable gear? Or as opposed to just any generic guitar or the most prized guitars, you know, like the Gibson Les Paul and stuff like that. Well, that was it's a it's a great question. I mean, the thing about that is that was not a deliberate decision when I started out. Like it was something that just developed over time, and it was just based off of the reaction that people had to the different videos. And a really cool example, and this was like a a an epiphany for me. It was like a big moment when I was doing, uh, when I was starting out the YouTube channel, I did a video on an Amun Strat, you know, it was like a hundred and I, yeah. Yeah. yeah very, very cheap, uh, very cheap Strat basic, you know, three single coil kind of thing, but it was really cheap and it was for the price. It was good. I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great guitar, but for the price, it was very good. And so I did a review on it. And that review got a ton of attention. And everybody was like, wow, thanks for making this. And it's really helpful for people on a budget, blah, 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 this kind of thing. And a little while later, I did a review on the Chris Broderick Signature Jackson, made in USA. Beautiful guitar, cost thousands, right? You know, neck through, made in USA, just incredible. Nobody cared. You know, <laughs> nobody cared. It was like, you know, the, 
the few people that watched it were like, well, that's nice, but I'm never going to be able to afford that, this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so over, over time, you know, I'm just like, well, you know, the things that people seem to enjoy watching the most and what they get the most out of is the, uh, the affordable stuff. And so that's, I'm like, well, give the people what they want, right? That's exactly, that's yeah. where it went. Yeah, you're, yeah. Meet, you're meeting the demand. So there you go, yeah. right? Marketing 101. Right. Yeah. And, and I got to ask you this question, right? And, and I, I guess I kind of know the answer, right? Because I see, I see your channel. And I think the, uh, some other guy, Braun, Daryl Braun, yeah. did guitar reviews too. And I'm wondering, like, he's like doing these new guitar like in you you know almost like every week you got another guitar that you're doing a review on where do you get all these guitars from are there like a stockpile or do these uh you know manufacturers send them to you i always wondered about that well so it, it varies a lot um if it's a brand new guitar then it's it was probably either sent from the company or you just bought it right like um obviously if it's an older guitar then it's maybe you know like sometimes if somebody if somebody i know has an interesting guitar i'll you know they'll loan it to me so i can do the review um and sometimes there's even been things where a shop has something in stock and they'll loan it to me so i can do a video on it and i have to be very careful you know that i don't ding yeah. it or something like that yeah. Uh, but yeah if it's a brand new guitar or the real big thing is if, if they get a guitar that's not released yet you know like it's going to uh, be out next month then it was yeah it was almost certainly sent from the company and that kind of stuff but now, if you, it's uh oh sorry I, I continue and then i'll ask my other question well yeah but like as an as an example because i cover a lot of affordable stuff it's actually less hassle for me if i don't work with the company mm. that might sound weird but like if it's an affordable guitar that's you know i can get on amazon i'll just buy it and and that does a couple things one is i have no obligation to the company and and people talk a lot about like well you know if if you have an agreement with the company then maybe it's not really uh an honest review and this kind of stuff mm -hmm. i have never never had a company tell me specifically you know, this needs to be a, a positive review or something like that. Most companies will either not say anything or they will say, we want your honest opinion. And, and I'm, that's valuable for them too. But um, the other thing is, so going back to what I was saying before, is if I don't have any agreement with the company, then I have no obligation to them. And also some companies, they ask for a lot like, oh, hey, after the video, can you post it here and post it there and write a review on this website and send us a picture of you holding the guitar? And I'm just, I just don't want to deal with any of that. So for things like that, it's actually, even though I have to spend money on it, I'm going to make the money back if the video is successful. So it's not, you know, um, yeah, so it's, it's actually easier. But if there's something like, um, oh, right here, my... Um, my Fender HM Strat, mm. you know, the reissue, this is a $1,200 guitar, you know, and Fender sent it to me, you know, so. That's nice. Yeah, it's, it's great, but if it's something like that, I'm, I'm probably not gonna shell out a thousand bucks, you know, to check out a guitar that, I mean, it might suck, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, were there any situations where you actually reached out 
to a particular company because you wanted or you liked the product or whatever, and you were like, you know what, I want it, but let me reach out to them and see if I can actually borrow it and then do a review it for it on the channel. Have you ever, ever done that? I have, but it's pretty rare. Okay. And usually the way that usually that things like that usually come up. Schech okay, Schechter is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. I had a Schechter that I bought, you know. I did a review of it. And the review, you know, the video did pretty well, got a lot of views, that kind of stuff. And it was an honest review. It was like, hey, this guitar is the, the guitar I did it on is actually one that they discontinued. And I was like, hey, this is a really cool guitar. I wish they still made it, you know. I think I actually saw that one because I remember you saying that. Yeah. That one particular car guitar that you said it was no longer made. Right. And you wish and, they continue making it. Yeah. And so I did that video on my own. And then somebody at Schechter saw that later on. And so then they contacted me and said, hey, we really liked, we really liked that review you did. You know, would you be willing to, to check out some other stuff? You know, that kind of thing. So things like that come up a lot where I will, I will initially talk about some product or some brand just out of coincidence. I just, something I just happened to own or something that I thought was cool and I bought for myself and they'll do it. And then later on, after I do, after I have already talked about it to begin with, then the company will contact me. It's very rare where it's a company that I have no, you know, like I've never owned anything or something like that. And I just like, oh, wow, it'd be great to have a diesel amp or something like that, you know, and then I'll email them and say, hey, I'm a YouTube guy, send me some, you know, that almost <laughs> never happens. I think, I think I've done that like one time, you know. You never know, man. Maybe you yeah. get a Gibson out of that deal, you know, get one of those $5,000 guitars, man. Yeah. How, and, and that was another thing. I don't know if you've been noticing, like, like, because uh, that's just going to end to my other question. Because I, I saw, like, you did that one video where you were talking about, like, how many guitars you have. How many guitars do you have? Like, I remember you saying you have some in storage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I live in an apartment and I can't fit everything <laughs> in here. It's, it's ridiculous. People joke when they come over, when my friends come over, they're like, hey, we're going to the guitar store. You know, it's because yeah. I mean, it, it looks like it's a guitar center in here. Or something. So, yeah, I have stuff crammed in the closet and then I have a storage unit. Then I have like amps and some guitars in the storage unit. So, uh, yeah, when I did that, the video you're talking about, I think I had 60 or 60 something. I'm and trying I, to clear out. I only got like 50. I had 15. Now I'm down to 13. And the well, reason I, I, I can I'm understand trying to get rid of them, I, I can understand it. Right. They're like. But it, you know, it plays so nice. But then oh, I'm like, yeah. but then I'm like, well, I haven't played that one in like a month or you know, a couple of months. Well, maybe I should get rid of it. You know, this, yeah. that, other thing. Especially during the lockdown, I went on a buying binge. But unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of it was sight unseen. You know, I, I I'm, right. a, I'm on reverb every day. You know, yeah. seeing what's going on, and like I'm just like noticing, like especially with you know. Like the Gibsons, like even the lower models, like the studio and a tribute, like they're gone. Prices have gone through the roof, man. It's like yeah. insane. It seems like everybody's like trying to like, I, I don't know what's causing it. I'm, I'm assuming it's COVID related, but but I always wonder yeah. about it. So what do you do with all these guitars? Do you like rotate them in? Take 12 out? <laughs> well, there's some that I, um, you know, there's some that I play on a regular basis. And so obviously I want to have those ones close by. There are also some that 
Um, there are some that I honestly, I just kind of like to look at, you know, so they're kind of mainstays on the wall here. I, I, I'll turn this thing a little bit. You can just kind of see the bottom of it, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. this is my wall here and this kind of stuff, but um, yeah, but yeah, there are, there are some that, um, there are some that I should get rid of, you know, that yeah. I just, yeah, I've taken up space. That kind of thing. Yeah. Cause you got them in storage. I'm like wondering, like, does he like, like, all right, uh, December, I'll take 12 out, put 12 back in. Yeah. <laughs> like me, I rotate days. <clears throat> you know, I'll have like a day where I just do like docking tunes and I'll take out one of my little oh, yeah. cars and yeah. stuff like that. Another day I'll do left, let's just have one tools. I'll play, you know, I don't have a Gibson Les Paul, but I'll take out, you know, like my EC 1000 from LTD or something like that. But I, yeah, I was yeah. just wondering about that. Like he's got all these guitars and it's not uncommon you know right for uh guitars to have so many guitars people like think like i'm insane like what are you collector i'm like i, I guess i don't know yeah you know i know there's people like that are worse than me you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there's yeah. If, if i'm being totally <laughs> honest there are even guitars that i forgot that i own you know like there's stuff that like when i go over to my to my storage i'll be like you know, I'll be going in there for something specific and I'll have to like move this other stuff out of the way. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about it. You know, like, where did this come from? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's a, that's kind of like a good thing, right? It's like, in the, like, oh, yeah. and then you rediscover, rediscover the joy you had with it before, you know, like why, yeah. reason why you bought it the first time. Yeah, right? it's like, you know, you, you find a $20 bill in your pocket or something. It's great. Yeah, yeah, that's always great, <laughs> right? I love that when that happens. Yeah. Now, going back to you as a as a musician, like, did you have, like, when you went to the guitar, did you have, like, formal training? Because I know you got, like, very, like, kind of, like, like a unique soloing style, like, you know, the way you tread on, on the guitar. Was that, like, formally taught to you? No, uh, I don't have any, I don't have any formal training in terms of, I, I didn't go to music school or anything like that. Mm. Um, when I was playing other instruments, I was in school for that. And so I have, I guess you could say formal training in terms of like how to read music. And yeah, reading music and music theory and that kind of stuff, but it was never specifically for guitar. Um, I, I did have a couple teachers here and there, but it was usually short term things where maybe I wanted to learn a particular technique. And so I would go to one particular teacher that was really good at that technique. Uh, yeah, but I never, I think I, you know, at one point I had a teacher for six months, but that was the longest period of time. Um, yeah. And so I took, like, I took a, a few lessons from Tony McAlpine actually like 10 years ago, uh, which was really cool, but it was like two or three. Then there was another guy named Mike Guerrero who I took a few lessons from. Um, but other than that, it's been books and practicing and, you know, just kind of self-research and that kind of stuff. Now, do you prefer like doing like the three notes per scale to develop the technique that you have as opposed to just going over to like the normal, like two notes, like for the pentatonic and stuff like that you find, or? I don't know if I prefer it, but the three note per string runs, I, I mean, that's really like those guys that I, 
that I really, the guitar players that I really admire, they tend to be that style. Um, and so I spent a lot of time developing that, but there are still pentatonic bass players that I really like. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I, I don't know if I really can say that I prefer one over the other, but I, uh, I, I guess just for the style that mm -hmm. I, play then it usually ends up being like the more linear three note per string kind of scale based runs that kind of stuff now speaking of soloing all right so i was on your website today uh people who watch your channel or are watching this video know that you have instructional videos but for those who don't know max got a few instructionals out there uh one of them i think is called 1988 i believe yeah how, uh, so give us a little bit of overview for that, and then I'll go into the other ones. Sure. So um, actually about the same time that I really started becoming more serious on YouTube, I started doing some uh, lessons, like teaching, but it was one-on-one -on -one stuff. And mm -hmm. I did them over Skype or in person or whatever. Do you still and do that or no? Do you still do I, no, I, I don't do it anymore. And basically what happened is I, I really enjoyed the teaching, but... You know, it's a challenge with everybody's schedules and this kind of stuff. And after a while, I'm just like, you know, I could, I could reach a lot more people if I just make a lesson and then send them the lesson, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it just became something that was doing instructional programs. It was just, it became something that was just kind of more efficient with my time. And somebody also like, they can get an instructional program for, $20 or $25 yeah, or yeah. something, or they can spend like 60 bucks for a lesson, one lesson with, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. for other people too, it's, it's um, more economical and that kind of stuff and, and uh, easier with the schedule, that kind of stuff. And um, they're kind of a lot of work to make, to be honest, but I, uh, I do enjoy making them. And something I've just started doing recently um, and this might be the first public uh, announcement of this or something, is I've started working with some uh, other guitar players. So I'm basically producing the instructional program, but they are the one that's teaching it and coming up with the licks and that kind of stuff. And there's one that I just, just filmed recently that is all about different picking styles, like alternate picking, economy picking, and even hybrid picking, which is using like uh, finger style with a pick. Mm. And it's, uh, I think it's gonna be really, really cool. And it's again, with a different guitar player who's teaching this stuff. And I think it's gonna be really, really cool. I'm, I'm impressed by it. So uh, I think it's gonna be uh, exciting for people. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then getting back to the one that you, the video 1988, or was it 89? I forget the name, I just said it too. Of that instructional what's that one about is that just about uh how to play songs and the style of the 80s music or yeah exactly and it was uh because I, I did one called guitar solo essentials that was the yep, first I was program ask I did. You about that next yeah that was the first one i did and that just kind of covers a lot of just kind of general like you know pentatonic licks and this is a this is how this scale goes and it relates to this other scale. It's just like general information and licks techniques that you need to play solos generally. And then I've done 1988 and, and 1989. I've done two programs. That's probably where I got it from. 
Right. Yeah. And and those ones are about specifically licks and techniques that are used in 80s rock guitar playing, you know. So there's like, you know, tapping licks in there and and uh just stuff like that. And why'd you pick those particular years? Oh, they're just fun years, you know. I think it was just like instead of saying 80s, you said 1980, 88. Yeah, 88, you know, it's it's uh yeah, they were just fun years. I thought that was kind of unique. And I was actually checking out the uh, the solo one, and I, I think it's pretty good because I'm not much of a shredder like you from far from it. And I'm like trying to get better at it. So I was like, oh, it's pretty interesting, which leads me to my next question. And actually, I don't know if you remember this. I posted this as a comment on one of your videos. Mm-hmm. Is if you would ever uh, do an instructional video for people trying to become shredders, like a beginner shred video. I think that would be pretty cool. I've I've thought of it. I mean, I thought about that, and and I, I think I remember seeing your comment. And I will say that I am planning to do it. Like it is on my list of things to do, but it's gonna take me a little while to do it. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, no rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to be, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, what I want to do is. I want to do something where somebody who basically is an absolute beginner could start on that program and and then develop their skill through there. Because the stuff I have now, you kind of already have to know some basics of guitar and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would like to do a true beginner's program and not just cover the not just cover lead stuff, but I'd also like to you know cover you know basic rhythm playing and and even like song structure and and things like that you know so somebody could really start from just start from ground zero and just and really be able to just get some general good you know rock guitar chops you know through a program like that so it would have to be it'll take a while to make that yeah it'll be a pretty big like maybe like in three parts or something like that so that's that's kind of what i'm thinking yeah yeah but for people who are watching this or on youtube or listening to it on my podcast uh check i'll put a link to his website and check it out i mean he's got a couple of instructionals and i think and they're relatively cheap i think they're like under 20 bucks and i think you got a bundle like yeah three of them yeah Yeah. so definitely check that out and then you also have another youtube channel right yeah that's about aviation how did you get into that like flying airplanes and stuff like that i was like wow this guy's like an adventurer out there there's cars too (laughs) Uh, well, I wouldn't say I race cars, but I mean, I, I'm certainly into cars. I wouldn't say that publicly. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. So heavy metal horizons, is the other channel. And yeah, it's basically cars and airplanes. And, uh, the way I got into that was, okay. It's a long story. Do we, do we have a few minutes? Here? Yeah, we got time. Okay. So growing up as a kid, uh, I had a grandfather that had been a pilot, uh, a bomber pilot in the Air Force and this kind of stuff. And so he would tell me these stories, you know, of, you know, it was dark and stormy night, you know, and the tail gunner saw this, you know, you know, Fock Wolf 109 coming in and we only had 10 shots. You know, he'd tell me these great stories. And so that fascinated me as a kid. And I was also into model rockets and model airplanes. And I did all this stuff with my dad. And so I was really into 
aviation as a kid, but I never, ever considered that I would be a pilot someday. Okay. Because, and the reason was everybody that I knew personally that was a pilot was in the military. And I didn't want to join the military because I'm like, I don't want to get shot. And so, so for me, I had this, I had this connection for a long time, well into my adult life, that if you were going to be a pilot, you needed to be in the military first. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know why I, because obviously, you know, no, there are private pilots and there are people that just fly for the airlines. That's their career. Like, I don't know yeah. why I didn't figure that out, but it was some kind of almost subconscious connection or something. So anyway, fast forward 25 years or something. And one of the early jobs I had when I lived in Los Angeles, when I first moved down to Los Angeles, was working for an art gallery. And weird industry to work in, I don't recommend it, but that's the point is when I worked there, I met a guy who worked at like a shipping company and I would work with this guy every once in a while. And it was like, if we were shipping a big piece of artwork, he would be involved in making sure it got there safely and this kind of stuff. And that, and that guy was a private pilot. And so I started talking to him about it. And then I realized, I'm like, wait a second, this guy is, you know, he was never in the military. He's a seemingly regular guy that works at the shipping company, but he also, you know, he owned an airplane and, and had a pilot's license and this kind of thing. And that changed my perception of who could be a pilot, basically. And, and then a few years after that, I started talking to him about it. And he's like, hey, man, you got to come up with, you know, we'll go flying sometime, you know, come up. It's a lot of fun. I was like, yeah, OK, let's try it. And so he took me up and it's a, 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 a decathlon. It's a high wing, you know, single engine prop and two seats, uh, okay. but they're, they're in line. You know, it's for a pretty small airplane. And so he took me up and just cruised around Los Angeles, you know, and it, that blew my mind. And so after that, I'm like, man, I, I got to do this. You know, this is so much fun. And then all of the interest I had had as a kid kind of got brought into, uh, wait a minute, now I think I actually want to do this myself. So it's still, even after that, it still took several years because at the time I was working a regular job and I, it, you can't like go to night school to get a pilot's license, you know, like it has to be done at certain times and this kind of stuff. And so like, I don't know, a year after that, I did a thing called a discovery flight where I went to a flight school and they kind of give you, they kind of wet your appetite, basically, you know, they take you up and be like, here, why don't you try flying? You know, this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and I really love that. And then maybe even like two years after that, I was finally able to where, you know, I, was doing YouTube full time and I didn't have to like go to a, a desk job. And I, I was, it was really more about the time than, than the money. And so I was finally able to be in a position where I could just like go do that in the middle of the day. And, you know, it didn't matter and that kind of stuff and where I could do the training. And, and so, yeah, I, I did that and I'm a, I'm a licensed private pilot, so I can, fly anywhere I want to, but I can't be paid for it. That's the big thing. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you got your own plane and everything, or you rent the plane every time? Yeah. I, right now, I rent the plane. 
And uh, I, you know, of course, I want to get my own plane at some point, but they're even a cheap airplane is not cheap. So it's, I can we'll imagine. See. Yeah. It's a goal. Especially the gas, right? Especially the gas. Yeah. Well, gas and, and the maintenance. The yeah. maintenance is very expensive. You know, on, on a, you know, if the starter goes out or, you know, some part for the engine or something, it's like whatever it would cost a car, like quadruple the price, you know, and then that's what it costs for an airplane. Yeah. Got another question for you. Where'd you sure. get that? Like, I think it was in one video, two videos, you had like a sword or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that sword from? Was it just like a store you went at pawn shop or something? Or did you get yeah. it from somewhere special? Or, well, I've had it for a long, long time. It, there's nothing that I know of that's special about that sword. I can tell you where I got it, though, and it's just kind of a funny story, but it's only funny to me. In my hometown, I went to a garage sale and it was like these people were moving out and selling all their stuff. And they had that sword there at the garage oh, wow. sale. And I said, hey man, how much for the sword? And the guy was like, 40 bucks. And I said, I've only got 20. And he says, sorry. You know. And so I didn't buy it. About three months later, I was at the local pawn shop oh. in my hometown and I saw that sword. And you got it for 20? And I got it for 20. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to show you my sword. Hey, uh, there we yeah. go. It's not an authentic samurai sword. Those things are like $10,000. Yeah, yeah. I got it in Disney World or something like that. Yeah, well, that's cool though. I love, I love that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. So I'm trying to think if I left out any other questions here that I wanted to ask you. Uh, oh, one quick question. Yeah. Yeah, one other quick question. I'll let you go. Because you do a lot of uh, reviews of those, uh, what is those, the Wolf Guitars. Like, how did you find out yes. about that? Are they like, are they local in your area or something? Well, they, they are local to Los Angeles. They are in Los Angeles. I mean, the, the guitars are made overseas, either in, Korea or Indonesia, I think, depending on the model. But uh, but the shop and the the people that sell them are in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, it's a funny thing because that actually came from a comment that somebody left on one of my videos years ago, and they said, uh, you know, it was something about like, hey, have you ever checked out you know, Wolf guitars? I've, I haven't seen anybody talk about them, and a buddy of mine had one, you know, something like that. Somebody in the comments uh, section suggested it to me and I did a little research and I was like, yeah, that actually does look pretty cool. And, and uh, then I, I bought one, you know, to, to try it out and it ended up being really, really cool. They're, they're really cool guitars, especially for the money. Um, but yeah, that came from a suggestion in the comments section. So I, I can't say I read every single comment, but I, I try to read the majority of them. And, uh, you know, a lot of the time in there, people have really good suggestions that end up becoming you know videos oh, that's good yeah. yeah right it helps you find new guitars out there totally yeah now do you have any plans to like do like perform in the future or you know coming up like with a band or as yourself as a soloist i don't have any immediate plans you know nothing that's set right now i mean that's a, a big part of it. even in, even now in los angeles there's still a lot of um lockdowns and that kind of stuff uh -huh. so 
uh, yeah, people are, people are hesitant to book shows. Um, so I don't have the immediate plans in it. It's something that I want to do, but I'm not really in much of a hurry to do it. Like there's a, a band called Hellion, which is a 80s. I mean, it's an actual band from the 80s, a metal band that I'm, I'm a member of, but the band has been on a hiatus for years, you know? So if that band, if everybody gets together and decides to do something, then, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll absolutely do that, you know, and that would be a lot of fun. Um, but I did, you know, I did solo shows for, for quite a few years, like 2010 to 2015, that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe, maybe I'll do that again, but it's not something that's really super high up on my, on my priority list, you know, to be, to be totally honest, um, you know, doing the YouTube videos, you know, and the other stuff that I'm doing, it's, it's very fulfilling to me. So I, I don't really feel like I'm missing all that much by not doing, uh, you know, by not playing in a band these days. Yeah, two more questions that I just sure. thought of. Um, in terms of, you know, this will be related to people who have like YouTube channels, like, you know, how you're always recommending horrible guitars and so forth. For people who, you know, running their YouTube channels, is there any like affordable like gear, whether it's camera or software that you recommend to people? Well, software, not really, because I don't think you need a really power, you know, you don't need, you're not like making special effects or something. So I think any basic editing software works pretty well. There's one called VideoPad, which costs like 40 or 50 bucks and will pretty much do everything you need it to. Uh, for cameras, if you can spend like, you know, maybe three to 400 bucks, you can get something like this, which is a, this is a Nikon DSLR and there's like the 3000 series or the 5000 series. And these cost about maybe $400. And the wonderful thing about these is, you know, you can change lenses, which uh -huh. really makes a big difference. So if you're talking on camera versus you're shooting a video of like a close-up of a guitar, it's really helpful to switch the lens that you're using, that kind of stuff. And these, you know, obviously they're, you know, HD video and this kind of stuff. And so they look very nice. And they also have a microphone input, which is a big deal. Um, and so, yeah, I recommend something like that, but that's assuming you've got 400 bucks to spend on it, you know? So if you don't, don't worry about it, you know, shoot it on your phone or something. And, uh, you know, I think if, you know, you can get like, um, you know, I'll give you, a, give you an example, you know, there's like something like, can you see that? This is just yep. a, a phone holder. Yep, yep. Stick it that's on a tripod. Yeah. Yep holds the phone um a lot of the time natural light if you can shoot by a window where you have natural light that's an easy way to get good lighting um sometimes you know honestly the lighting sometimes is more important than the camera you're using uh you can make a really expensive camera look terrible if you have really bad lighting so um yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't have money, you know, if somebody out there wants to start a YouTube channel and they're like, oh, I need, 
thousands of dollars of equipment. You really don't, you know, you shoot it on a phone or even I've even uh, shot things on like a little action camera, you know, like a GoPro or something like that. If you can find a setting that doesn't have the fisheye look to it. Um, okay. You, yeah, you can use those too. And yeah, natural light. That's a really good, that's a good tip. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that's what I would suggest. All right, cool. And then one more quick question, then I'll sure, let you yeah. out because I know you're a very busy man. Probably making a YouTube video after this. <laughs> Are you going to have another contest? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And this Guys time, now he had like a pretty cool contest where people would submit videos of themselves shredding a guitar, and he would give give awards to. It. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's it's coming up soon. It's going to be. Uh, I'm going to try and do one every year now to an annual Guitar Max Shred contest. And, and this time, I'm not gonna be the only one who's judging it. So oh. I've, I've invited a couple other people who are going to help me uh, do the judging on it. So, you know, we can have a tiebreaker and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, you know, it's pretty interesting. The guy that won your channel, he actually made a YouTube video. He's like a big George Lynch fan. So he actually oh, made yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his videos. He actually made a custom, uh, the Burnt Tiger that George Lynch had. Has. He actually made his own version of it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I have seen some of his stuff. He does a lot of, uh, you know, like he'll get a guitar and do, you know, paint it, like kind of customizing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of customization yeah. of it. Yeah, Richard yeah, James, cool. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. it. And then the funny thing is I saw one of his things on ebay and i'm like sort of the name i'm like oh shit that's the same guy that i just saw the video <laughs> on i'm like he was yeah. just like making the guitar i thought that was pretty cool yeah you know <laughs> he's well, a anyway. really good he's a really good uh really good guitar player i mean it's, yeah. it's really doing that contest it was really fun and kind of mind-blowing you know i mean the amount of the amount of talent that's out there you know among people that i mean i and I don't mean this in a bad way, but people that you just don't know about, right? And, but uh, there's a lot of really talented people out there. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that contest. And hopefully one day you put out that instructional video and I look forward to your next YouTube video. Definitely. Awesome. I awesome. just saw your last one with the Jazz, jazz Master guitar, cheap yeah. one, whatever you yeah. got at Mono Price. Yeah. That was yeah. pretty good review, yeah. I always see your videos whenever it pops up on my feed. I'm like, oh, let's see what he's got going on. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, it's been a you know great fun talking with you, man. Thanks. For yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Um, don't forget, if you haven't already, like this video, subscribe to my channel, and hit the notification button so you get updates every time I put out a new video. And again, don't forget, keep on rocking. During World War II. I was in prison in a Nazi camp. I died there, or so I thought. Instead, I became a creature of the dark world. Now I fight to protect my daughter. I am Marcus the Vampire. The book is now available at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com and RetortoFamilyBooks.com.
Hi everyone, this is Deborah Driggs and you are listening to the Mark the Shark Show. Hi everyone, well fortunately all good things must come to an end and that's all we have for this particular podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you keep following my, my podcast here to Mark the Shark Show. And keep listening and look out for future podcast episodes.